Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. How are you feeling, Lauren? (laughs) I feel like you've been sick the last few days. I literally, like, it's been like a week. I like, it was only like, it was so weird. Like I had this low grade fever, wasn't feeling great. And then like two days later, I was fine. It was Saturday. I was like, I'm good. We went to the driving range. It was so fun. And then the next morning I wake up and I literally had no voice and I never lose my voice, like literally ever. So I was like, oh gosh. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like ever since then, I'm just like trying to load up on the zinc and and uh, figure some rest it out. Yeah. I'm trying to sleep a lot, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Well, today we are going to be talking about carbohydrates. And so Lauren, I'm sure you see this in your practice as well, but I would say so many clients come to me with this really strong fear of carbs, not wanting to eat carbs, fearing carbs will cause weight gain, and just having this like very negative association with carbohydrates. So today, we're going to break down what are carbs, why we need carbs, what happens when we don't eat carbohydrates, and also you know how we can really start to incorporate carbs back into our diet without having this, you know, strong fear of them. Yes. It's so crazy how like society can create these different things that are so untrue, you know, like fear of carbs. And the crazy thing is this isn't new. Like if you think back to the Atkins diet, don't quote me on this. I think that started in the seventies. I'm not fully sure, but you know, Atkins really started this low carb craze and every like few years to a decade we see like a new version of it come up so now it's keto but you know at the premise of it it's always carbs are bad don't eat carbs and so we really want to take the time today to debunk that because carbs are truly so important and satisfying and delicious. Yeah. And I remember, well, obviously I didn't live during this time, but there was a time period too, where like low fat was all the craze. Right. And obviously that it still plays a role today, but it's more about like low carb now, I feel like. But I remember seeing a woman when I was like shadowing in a nursing home and she literally was like, I'm not eating that. That's high fat. I have to have the low fat version. And she was just from that era where like that was just ingrained into your head. And now I mean, hopefully we're getting to the place where we realize that like fat's important and it helps stabilize our blood sugar and all these different things, our hormones. It's so important. Obviously the focus isn't fats today, but just talking about how our culture evolves and they they just love to pick out new things that make us scared. Yeah. And also just to show you how deeply ingrained the sphere of carbohydrates are, when I was visiting my grandma who is 97... She's amazing. 97 years old. I went to get her a cookie and she wouldn't eat it. She was like, I can't eat that. Mm. I gained weight. And I'm like, you're 97. And so it just shows you... 
no matter how old you are, like you could be 16 or 97 and the fear of carbs is so strong. Yeah. So crazy. Did you struggle with the fear of carbs? Oh, absolutely. I, I definitely spent, you know, most of my disordered eating, I tried to cut back on carbs as much as I could. And what I found was my anxiety was higher. My panic attacks were higher. I was really tired. And I also had so many more cravings, which we'll get into later on in this episode. But what about you? Did you ever restrict carbs? So interesting because mine was so... It was orthorexia. So it was so focused on health. So it was just like, I knew that carbs were quote unquote healthy, but it had to be the right kind of Mm. carbs. Mine was more about sugar, that sugar was bad and I couldn't have sugar. So carbs were never, it was never really a big thing for me. It just was about like, it had to be the right type of carb. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think the sugar piece is constantly getting pushed too. So it it makes sense. Yeah. So why don't we start with, you know, what are carbohydrates, right? So carbohydrates are a macronutrient. So we have three macronutrients. It's carbs, proteins, and fats. And what, you know, what makes carbs so special is that it really provides some of this very quick energy. And our brain and nervous system actually exclusively uses carbohydrates as the main fuel source. And so it is natural for our bodies to want to have carbs, to need carbs, and to have carbs. Anything you want to add to like the what is carbs sort of category? I think... Oh, I guess this could kind of go into why we need them. But I think it's interesting. I always teach my clients how food is actually broken down and utilized in the body, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that brought me a lot of peace for like the little bit of fear. You know, I went through different phases. There was definitely a period where I was like, oh, carb, should we go low carb? You know, obviously you question everything because there's all these different messages out there. But something that really helps me and helps a lot of my clients is understanding that carbs, I think there's this idea that it's like, oh, okay, if we have too many carbs, then it just goes straight to fat and we gain weight right? Where that's not mm. is what's actually happening in the body. If our carb, if our body in that moment doesn't need carbs, it actually goes to storage, which is storage in the muscles and the liver. And the storage form of carbohydrates mm-hmm. is called glycogen. I don't want to get too scientific, but this is like my favorite thing is the science part of all this. So the glycogen is stored in your liver and your muscles so that if for some reason, say for example, technically you're fasting, quote unquote, during your sleep, right? Like that's why it's called break fast breakfast. Um, And that's why you need to eat breakfast. (laughs) So what happens is you're technically fasting overnight. So your body needs these glycogen stores to help you have a restful sleep so that you're not starving in the middle of your sleep. So these glycogen stores are there for any time that your body needs that extra boost of carbohydrates. Or maybe it's during a workout that you need that extra boost of of energy, essentially, is the way that I like to think of it too, right? The, The stored carbohydrates are really energy that your body's holding on to so that in the event that you need more energy, it's there and you're not just going to burn out. So I always found that really, really helpful to know um, is that our body actually stores it. It's very smart. It's so smart. And part of the reason too, it's like our brain actually can't store glucose. So you mentioned how, you know, our liver and our muscles are able to store it, but our brains can't store glucose. So they actually need a constant supply 
of carbohydrates. And our cells truly function the best when we do eat carbs. And so I don't know if you've ever gone on Atkins or keto or any type of low-carb diet, but you might notice that you feel really foggy-brained. You might feel lightheaded and tired. And that's because your brain is not getting adequate fuel. It's, it's really not. It's not getting enough carbohydrates for energy. And the interesting thing too, you know, without getting too much into the numbers, but our body... Um, actually requires around 50 to 60% of our total daily intake of carbohydrates. So that means like half or more than half of the food you're consuming should be in the form of some type of carb. And that's really not the case for so many people. Yeah, exactly. We fear, again, like not to get into numbers, but when I get into numbers just for from education that I've learned and everything, it's really mind-blowing the amount of carbs that you're quote-unquote supposed to eat for your body mm-hmm. to function optimally. And it's always been so interesting to me. Cause again, I love the science behind all of this stuff. Like, um, it's fascinating. It's always so interesting to me because keto always like a big marketing piece of everything is, Oh, clear your brain, have clear thoughts. And I'm like, I don't understand how that's <laughs> a thing. If I don't have carbs, I literally, there was a time when I, I went to California back in May And I went, I don't really do intense workouts anymore, um, which would be a really interesting episode about like intense workouts and your cortisol levels and everything. But when I used to do intense workouts and I was restricting and I was going through a stressful time, but my cortisol, I would be anxious all the freaking time. And I didn't realize at that time, what I really needed was something probably more like Pilates or, or yoga, something more gentle. And I haven't done something really intense in a while other than like Peloton. And when I did this workout, I literally, and I don't think I had very many carbs the night before. I think I had like chicken wings or something. I don't even remember. But basically my body the next day, I went to the workout and I felt so crappy after, like to the point where I literally got home Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, maybe I need to eat something. So I like ate a piece of bread with peanut butter or something. And then there was literally nothing wrong. And I just had a panic attack out of nowhere. And it's so crazy how workouts that aren't properly fueled or that are increasing your cortisol too much because they're too intense or whatever it is can trigger mm-hmm. our bodies and our brains to, to feel like they're in danger. It sounds also like your nervous system was activated. So I remember there was a period of time where I, you know, I really cut down on the amount of carbs I was eating and it led to me having really bad anxiety to the point where I was having like chronic panic attacks. And it was because I reduced the amount of carbs in my diet. And the moment that I added them back in, my panic, I wouldn't say it subsided, but it, I mean, it did subside. It didn't go away. The other thing that I want to mention too, just in terms of like mood, I was actually dating someone who was keto, like literally testing his ketones on strips. And he was always in the worst mood, like really unhappy, cranky, moody, unpleasant to be around. And then like one day he just like decided to stop doing keto and he was a different person. Happy, smiling, like let's have pasta. Like, and it's just crazy how eating patterns can have such a profound effect on your mood and mental health. Yes. That is so true. I've definitely experienced that if I, and even if it's like, I'm not even doing it on purpose, but I like should have eaten earlier than I did or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like hanger 
is real. Oh like, yeah. That is a real thing. And most of the time it's because your body needs energy, like and right. it needs those carbohydrates. So um, if you're hangry, that should be an immediate sign of like, I need carbs. A hundred percent. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what happens when we don't eat carbs. I think obviously we touched upon this in terms of like the brain fog and mood in general, but one thing is you actually start to break down protein in your muscle and body tissue and organs when you aren't giving your body adequate carbohydrates. And so carbohydrates are what we call like protein sparing. So the other thing that I also wanted to point out is that our bodies resist storing carbs as fats since it is used preferentially by our body's functions. So again, it goes back to this idea of like we, and I think you mentioned this earlier in the episode, we just assume if we have too many carbs, it's going to be stored as fat. But the truth is like our bodies kind of resist that because that is the main source of preferred fuel. It, it wants to use that energy. Right, right. And if it can't use it in the moment, again, it's going straight to the muscles and to glycogen to make sure that it can store it there first. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting how all of this gets so construed in diet culture. Like it's so funny, all of these low carb diets, all the marketing in the weight loss industry, it doesn't go into any of the science behind it because they don't have. Or what they do is they take bits and pieces of the science and they misconstrue it. So they'll take like one little piece, but then fail to mention something else to make it work in their favor, which is so frustrating. And one of the things that I always like to say is like, what would happen if you cut out an entire food group? Well, no Mm. shit, you're going to lose weight. Like, and then it's again, not going to be sustainable because how are you even supposed to sustain not eating carbs? You can't, you're going to be miserable. You're, you're not going to feel good. Right. So if you're cutting out an entire food group, like it's not about the carbs, the carbs aren't the problem. It's, that's why it's so important to create a balanced meal. The other thing too, is sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm cutting out carbs for my health. Mm. And let us remind you, there is nothing healthy about cutting carbohydrates, cutting an entire food group that are really rich in vitamins and minerals and certain nutrients that the other macronutrients don't have. So I often find like weight loss is really disguised as like this health halo. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm trying to be healthy. But again, like there really is nothing healthy about cutting out an entire food group that your body truly needs to function and thrive. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever gotten this, but I've definitely had people who um, suffer from diabetes or PCOS and they're like, oh, well, I'm different. Like I have diabetes or I have PCOS. I can't eat carbs. And I'm like, no, there's still a necessity for carbs. This isn't something that you're struggling with that creates energy for you. Like if that were the case, okay, fine. You might not need carbs, but there's no condition that I'm aware of that does that. Nothing. So you still need carbs. Yes, maybe there we need to introduce gentle nutrition a little bit earlier Mm. because it's really important that your blood sugar is balanced to make sure that you're staying healthy. But that does not mean that you need to cut out an entire food group. And if anyone has ever told you that you need to do that, then please reach out to us and we can point you in the right direction. Yes. And we actually have Julie Duffy Dillon on the podcast in the next few weeks talking all things about weight inclusive PCOS. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Oh my gosh, such a good episode. 
So good. Okay. So in terms of, you know, what happens when we don't eat carbs, the the other thing that I wanted to bring up was this thing called neuropeptide Y, also called NPY. And it is a chemical that is produced by the brain that actually triggers our drive to eat carbohydrates. But what's interesting about this chemical is that when we aren't eating enough, so like any type of food deprivation or under eating, actually increases NPY, which means we are increasing our drive to want to eat carbohydrates. So again, NPY is revved up by any type of food deprivation, and that includes sleeping overnight. Mm -hmm. So NPY levels are actually naturally the highest in the morning. So imagine if you were to skip breakfast, what that will do to your cravings later on in the day. So people will try to eat breakfast or try to skip breakfast because they're like, well, you know, I don't want to eat that meal. Sometimes it makes me feel more hungry. And all of a sudden they find themselves binging in the afternoon and in the evenings. And part of that is MPY. A lot of that just has to do with the fact that they're not giving their body enough food. Yes. Guys, this is not your fault that you're binging in the afternoon. Right. This is science. Your body has so many mechanisms installed that are there to protect you. And this is one of them. And like, this is why science is my favorite because when you're a type A person, you're a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist for me, I like science. And this is why I provide a lot for my clients with this kind of stuff, because I know Mm -hmm. that most of our clients are, are like us or have been through what we've been through or going through. And it's so helpful to have these like cold, hard facts to actually refer to. Because a lot of times if you're like, okay, well, I don't know. Apparently if I eat carbs, I'll stop binging. That's harder to hold on to when you are like, oh my gosh. Okay. So there's this thing, it's called MPY. And if I don't eat carbs, then it's going to cause my brain to release more MPY or not carbs, but restriction in general. Um, So I just love having these Mm -hmm. little things almost as grounding. So if you're feeling like, I really shouldn't be having these carbs right now, or you're feeling guilty about something, um, reminding yourself that you're serving yourself for this moment and you're going to feel much better later on. And how valuable is it to not have to binge later and feel out of control about around food and, you know, all the amazing effects of actually eating food that makes you feel good. No, it's so true. And I I think the science piece is so important with client work because Mm -hmm. it's almost like it creates an aha moment. And again, as you were saying, it's not your fault. And I think when we explain that to the people that we're working with, it's like, oh, like this is why this is happening. It's not because I'm addicted to carbohydrates. It's not because I can't be trusted around food or I'm out of control around food. Yeah, like I'm setting myself up to have these carb cravings and binge episodes later on. And in many ways, it's like your body is screaming like, please feed me please. Like I'm hungry. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, something I related to because I oftentimes will see clients try to under eat earlier on in the day only to find themselves eating way past fullness later on. And it's as if you were to hold your breath for 15 seconds. And the second you let go and you open your mouth again, you're going to be like, (gasps) like imagine Mm -hmm. like you're out of breath. Like you cannot breathe normally. And it's the same thing when you're not eating. So you can't, you know, if if you're depriving yourself of food, just like you deprived your body of oxygen, it's going to be really hard to be able to just like eat normally. Chances yes. are you're going to eat way past fullness. 
Yes. I love that analogy because it's so true. Same thing with like the longer you have to hold your pee, the faster it comes out. Right. Like, so that is so true. And that's exactly what your body's doing. And I think it's so fascinating too, with like under eating is causing this NPY to increase. Right. And then that's causing carb cravings. That just shows how smart your body is because Mm -hmm. it knows that the quickest way to get fuel because you're under eating is through carbs. So the reason that it's craving carbs is because it knows that's how we need, that's what we need to get energy as fast as possible. So same thing with kind of blood sugar here. A lot of times when you eat something, say you eat a piece of candy or I don't know, something that is just carbohydrates, your blood sugar is going to spike up, right? And then you get to this point where you have high blood sugar and then it comes crashing down. And that's when you're having really horrible cravings because your blood sugar is so low. So now your body knows the quickest way to get it back up is something that is like very sugary or carby. Mm -hmm. And it's, you guys know, it's very okay to eat those foods. But if you're having these blood sugar crashes and highs and lows, like it's not very comfortable. It doesn't feel very good. Um, And so again, it's just showing how smart our bodies are. They know exactly what we need. Right. And, you know, I invite you to really think about this with like some curiosity and non-judgment, right? So if you are having these intense carb cravings, rather than judge yourself for them, maybe start to get curious. Like, why am I having these cravings? Did I eat enough at breakfast and lunch? Did I have carbs at those meals? Because what I have found is clients will say, I'm craving only snack foods and carbs in the afternoon. And then we look at what they had for breakfast and lunch. And guess what? It involved zero carbs. The moment they introduce carbs at breakfast and lunch, all of a sudden those cravings go away. So it's exactly what we're talking about. And Lauren, I'm sure you experience this in real time with all of your clients as well. But it is amazing to see what even some small tweaks can do when it comes to those cravings and like that quote unquote feeling of being out of control. Yes, 100%. Yeah, it's so funny too. Because in the beginning, I was like, I didn't really restrict carbs. But now that I'm thinking about it, (laughs) you're like, I did a lot. I'm like, well, because I have memories of me being like, okay, we're going to have toast for breakfast. I had oatmeal, I ate Cheerios, that kind of stuff. But I have this really big, and maybe it was just like a certain point because there's so many different like sectors of what I've been through. Right. But I remember I I never had carbs at dinner for whatever rule I was listening to at that yes. point. And I always wanted something sweet after dinner. And it wasn't just like, like I still want something sweet after right. dinner and I still have it, but the feeling was so overwhelming. Like it didn't typically like ever really turn into a binge, but it really felt like, oh my gosh, like I need ice cream. I need cookies. I need something after dinner because my body was like, give me freaking carbs. Like, and it was craving them. So it manifested into the way of needing something sweet after dinner. The other thing that I think is interesting too, it's like, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Brittany, Lauren, like I do have carbs are you giving yourself full permission to eat the carbs Mm. that you want to eat? And also the amount, because even when I was having carbs, I was having like a slice of toast or like a waffle. And the thought of going like beyond that would create a lot of guilt and shame. So making sure you're giving yourself the permission to, again, eat all types of carbs, not just the high fiber, whole grain type carbs, and also the amount that is satisfying for your body in that moment. Yeah. Okay. Now all these other memories are coming up of what I used to do. So now I'm having a memory of me having this thought of like, okay, I can only have one starchy carb a day. Right. 
So then it was like, yes, that is full blown restriction, my dear. (laughs) And I've been there, trust me, like zero judgment. I, and it's just funny how your brain chooses to block out certain things. But as I talk about things, I'm like, oh, because again, there's just so many different, I had so many different rules throughout my disorder that like, they just all get jumbled together. But the rule of like, okay, I can only have one starchy carb a day. Guys, that is not enough. (laughs) That is not the amount of carb you should eat. You should be eating much more than one starchy carb. And do you know what's interesting? You know, we think about like, where did those beliefs come from? And I remember when I was quote unquote struggling with my weight when I was an adolescent, looking back, I I, I was a normal size. Like I'm, it, it bothers me that I was told that I wasn't yeah. because looking back, like there was nothing wrong with my body. But I went to a dietitian and she said to me, you can only have either the slice of toast or the fruit or the home fries. And I remember being so angry because I'm like, why can I only have one of these? And the inner rebel within me came out because I'm like, screw this. Like, why am I the one that's not allowed to have, you know, like two of the three things or all three things if I wanted to. And so even if you find yourself restricting, I guarantee you that you're probably binging on the same foods that you're restricting at some point. And then again, that creates that level of like shame spiral to happen. Yes. Yeah. My favorite thing to do when I'm at like a buffet or something is I just get everything that I want. And sometimes I eat it all, but most of the time I'm like, I just want a few bites of each thing. And that makes me feel much more free than being like, you have to choose one, which my old brain would have have told me, right? Or you can't have it at all. So just a little side note, I think it's great if you are, if you have the privilege to take as much as you want, I think that's always a good... And it, it comes with the work, right? Like you have to trust yourself that you will feel in control around those foods and that you can eat until you're satisfied and all that good stuff. But a little bit more of the science right. stuff. Also with a low carb diet, it can cause hypothyroidism, right? So insulin is really needed. I don't know, this might be too sciencey. But <laughs> insulin is basically the hormone that brings our sugar that comes from carbs and sugar from our bloodstream into our cells. So insulin is needed to convert the inactive T4, which is also a hormone mm-hmm. from the thyroid, into an active T3. Basically T4 going to T3, T3 is now active. It's able to work, right? And we need to have this active form and without carbohydrates, our insulin is going to be so low that it's not going to convert properly. Yeah. And you know, this is something that I actually dealed with. I had a low T3. So I had a hypothyroid and it was only it was strictly because of my the way that I was eating. So the low carb, the low fat, just the low energy diet that I was on. And it made me lose my sex drive. I felt so tired. My hair was thin. All the things that you imagine that we actually need these hormones for, it really, really affects your physical health and then also like your mental health as well. And the moment that I started to eat more, my T3 normalized, which is so amazing to me. And 
Yeah, it really is. I want to make like a, a cheat sheet or something of all the... Anytime somebody says like, I want to lose weight for health or I want to do XYZ for health, I want to have like all of these scientific things yep. ready to go. Like, yes. okay, well, this can trigger hypothyroidism or binging or, you know, all these different things. Well, I always say like at my thinnest, I was by far the most unhealthy version of myself. Yeah. Well, from like a physical and a mental standpoint. So really? it's, yeah, it's such a great point. Yes. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about was where did this fear of carbs come from? Because we're not born fearing a slice of pizza or a slice of toast. So where do these fears of carbs come from? And I'm curious to hear from you, you know, if you can remember, like, where did the fear around carbs come from? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, when I first got into nutrition, it was because I had gained weight when I stopped playing sports in high school. And I remember like trying to do research about it. And there was so many conflicting messages, right? Like you guys know, I'm sure you try and, you know, you try low carb and then you try low fat and then you try high fat and then you try paleo and all of these different things. It's very confusing. So me being a very science-based person, I was like, I just want to fully understand what's going on in the body so I can tell people what do we actually need in terms of nutrition. So I think a big component for me was when I was doing a lot of the research, like the easy answer was always like cut out carbs, right? And where it comes from, I think that... I don't know. Like I said, it's an easy answer. I think it's like, oh, you can just cut out a food group and this is the one that's easiest to blame. So let's just choose this one, mm-hmm. right? And I think it seems like a very easy thing to do. It's like, oh, just cut out carbs. That's it. That's all you got to do, right? Which is obviously a lot harder and not sustainable and right. you know, really doesn't make us feel good. So what about you? I just feel like this idea of cutting out carbs like so omnipresent. So I'm trying to think back like at what point did I know carbs were, you know, deemed quote unquote bad? And I hate to say this, but part of it was my mom. Um, And although she didn't necessarily restrict my intake, she constantly was watching hers. And we have an episode on this coming up too. But I feel like between grandmas and my mom and friends and friends of moms, like I remember a friend of mine, like her mom would eat like a massive stock of broccoli as her meal. And it was like no carbs for the adults. And so I almost grew up thinking like, okay, kids can eat this way. But once you're an adult, like Mm. you have to restrict and you have to eat protein. And that is... I remember having these like vivid sort of like connection to that when I was younger, thinking like looking at how adults were eating. And I'm like, oh my God, like, do I have to eat like that when I'm older? Like that looks miserable. I don't want to eat just a plate of scallops. And so I think that over time, it was like from friends, it was from a lot of media. And at the time, like there really wasn't social media, but it was a lot of like celebrity gossip and Seventeen Magazine and People Magazine. And honestly, it was just like from family and friends, I would say. Yeah, totally. It's it's crazy how we can be so influenced. And I think that's a big thing too that we can maybe even do another episode on is aging and this idea that like your metabolism is destroyed. And it was so interesting because in my internship, I was on the burn unit at one point. And a big component was calculating metabolic needs because these patients have need so much protein and so So many calories to heal their wounds. And I remember having to calculate Mm -hmm. um, based on age and their metabolic rate. 
And it was so interesting seeing how little the metabolic rate changed as we age, especially for women between the ages of 20 and 40, like very minimal, but it's just constantly pushed into us that like, oh, you're aging, your metabolism sucks, you're aging, your metabolism sucks. And that doesn't have to be the truth. Well, I also think like the physiology of bodies change, right? So if you think about a young female, she like kind of the point of our existence, which is like kind of depressing is to procreate and to, you know, be able to host a child. Well, when you're going through menopause, like that need is no longer there. And so tends to happen as you get older is you do have more fat than muscle, right? We know that the muscle goes away. So the bodies change. And I think what is so hard about our society is the fact that, and we're going to a totally different topic, which I would love to do, but just to finish this point, there is this expectation that as you get older, your body should stay the same. And in terms of like how it looks and even like your face and, you know, the whole anti-wrinkle campaign and Botox, Mm -hmm. but there is such pressure, especially more so on women to age gracefully and beautifully. And it's, it's such an unrealistic expectation. And I forgot what I was listening to a Ted talk and she said, the opposite of aging is dying because if you're not aging, you're dying. Right? You're yeah. dead. And I thought that was such mm-hmm. an interesting point. And I would love to like do this episode. It has nothing to do with carbohydrates, yeah. but it is fascinating. Yeah. I would love to do one on aging. I would love to do one on cosmetic surgery, I think would be really interesting. Yes. Um, but yeah, let me kind of correct myself there where it's like, okay, it was really interesting for me to understand that like your metabolism isn't changing that much because of all these messages we're constantly being fed. But then again, your body is going to change as you get older and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's just these messages that we're constantly being fed that's, that's causing us to think that it's wrong or bad or whatever it is. Well, it's also like when someone will come to me and they're like, I want to look like how I looked like at my wedding and they're 60 now and they got married when they were like 19. Yeah. So that's almost like really setting yourself up for such disappointment because you're not the same person when you're 40 than when you were 20. Like how beautiful is that that you were able to grow and even in terms of like your mindset and like that whole, you know, the growth mindset. But why is there an expectation that your body shouldn't evolve? Like we as people evolve and yet we think that our body should stay the same. And also blaming it all on yourself. Like what if it's just the yo-yo dieting that's causing the weight gain over years and years, right? Like it doesn't have to like, yeah, bodies change of course, but why don't you try to stop dieting as like your first and fuel your body for what it's asking for and what it needs. Right. So kind of bringing this back to carbohydrates. (laughs) We just love... You could tell. Laura and I get like very excited about different topics. So we could like talk for hours on all these things. But what I will say is the bottom line is that carbohydrates are necessary and they keep us energized. They keep us satiated. They keep us hormonally healthy and happy and we shouldn't fear them. So if there's one takeaway... If even if you don't remember a single thing we said about the science, just to know that carbs are a really important part of our diet and they are extremely health promoting and there is absolutely no need to fear them. Yes. Love carbs. We should create some merch. Hashtag carbs. 
Yes. <laughs> that would be fun. I honestly would totally do that. Yeah. Let us it. know if you would buy some. Yes. Hashtag merch. <laughs> hashtag merch. Um, but yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. And if you have ever felt restricting or if you've ever felt like you had to restrict carbs or feel like you're in a cycle where you can't seem to get out of this idea that carbs are bad reach out to Lauren or I, you know, we're here to talk. We're always in our DMs and we would love to hear what you think about the episode. So please, please, please rate and share this with a friend because trust me when I say that this is such a common concern for everyone. It's not your fault. It's society's fault as always. Completely. Um, So yeah, rate, review, subscribe. We would love you forever, even though we already do. And have a beautiful rest of your day, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at Food Therapy Pod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.